Do you feel stuck and repeat? Are you in a loop of missed opportunities, unmet goals, feeling stagnancy in your personal growth and a nagging sense of underachievement? I know you want more. That's why I'm inviting you to join our year in review private audio course, Pivot for More in 2024. Break free, design and live a life where you are winning at work and at home. You'll learn to celebrate your wins, learn from the losses, realign your life's goals with your true potential, and reignite your journey with a clear, powerful plan. Act now. Text PIVOT to 1-804-913-2579. Make 2024 the year of no regrets. As an engineering leader, you know firsthand that achieving work-life balance can be hard. Many business owners struggle with the balance between their personal lives and their work. This leads to stress and a feeling of regret. But that's not the case for the listeners of the Engineer Your Success podcast with Dr. James Bryant. This podcast provides tools, tips, and techniques to help you achieve success both in business and in life. Tune in. Let's engineer your success today. I want to welcome you to the Engineer Your Success podcast, the show where we dive deep into what it takes to design and live a life where you are winning at work and at home. I am your host and guide, Dr. James Bryan, and I'm here to help you achieve success both in business and in life. Welcome to this week. Last week, we talked about three practical ways to elevate your leadership with emotional intelligence. And those three ways, number one was develop self-awareness. Number two was improve your social awareness. And number three was enhance your relationship management. So whether you're leading a team, managing a project, or steering your career or your business, the ability to navigate complex human emotions is crucial. And in episode 124, we provided some insights into developing or improving your emotional intelligence. One of the key things that I talked about was that just like any other trait, emotional intelligence, it's something that you can train yourself to improve on. This week's episode really dovetails really nicely with last week. And so it's all about self-awareness. So one of the practical ways that we just mentioned to elevate your leadership was growing in your ability or growing in self-awareness. In fact, there are three episodes that we are going to dive into over the next month or so that talk about self-awareness. So today's episode is three tools to help unlock the transformative power of self-awareness. The other two episodes will be how to challenge hidden beliefs to become a better leader. And the final one in this series on self-awareness is going to be how does mindfulness play a role in effective leadership? And those last two episodes are going to be scheduled to air sometime after the holiday. Uh, But today, let's get into this discussion on the three tools to help you unlock the transformative power of self-awareness. Before we get into defining the three tools, I thought it would be useful to provide some, a common definition for self-awareness. Self-awareness is the ability to focus on and understand yourself, including your thoughts, feelings, emotions, motivations, behaviors, and impact on others. And so it, observe, it involves observing 
these different aspects of yourself without judgment, and then developing insights into their underlying causes or patterns. Another definition could be conscious knowledge of one's own character, feelings, motives, and desires. There are some key components when it comes to self-awareness. And I think really all three are needed. And that's one is internal awareness. This involves paying attention to your inner world, including your thoughts, your feelings, your physical sensation. It also includes recognizing your strengths, weaknesses, values, and yes, your biases. Then there's external awareness, and that involves understanding how you come across to others and how your behavior affects them. How does it impact the other people that are in this world with you that you are interacting with on a day-to-day basis? It includes considering the perspective of others as well as seeking feedback. And the third piece is self-reflection, which involves you taking the time to think about your experiences, but not only to think about them, but to learn from them. And so it allows you to gain insight into your motivations and develop a better understanding of yourself. Some of the benefits of self-awareness or improved self-awareness, it's improved self-regulation and emotional intelligence, which we talked about last week, increased self-confidence and self-esteem, better decision-making and problem-solving skills, stronger relationship and communication skills, and greater resilience in the, your ability to cope, manage, and overcome stressful situations. I've often said, if you've listened to this podcast for any amount of time, if you're new to the podcast, welcome. But if you've listened to the podcast for any length of time, you may have heard me say that I believe that the greatest level of awareness is self-awareness. And true self-awareness does need all three of those components, internal awareness, external awareness, and self-reflection. By understanding ourselves, we can create clarity in our actions and determine where we want to go and shape who we want to become in the future. So let's get into the first tool. The first tool that we're going to talk about is called mirror moments. And so this term describes a process that I use with my private clients. And so this is an honest self-reflection where an individual sees themselves for who they really are not who they project to be. These moments encourage individuals to acknowledge both their positive attributes and the areas of their life that they may need to improve. Typically, when we think about this type of assessment, the focus is on those things that we need to improve, those things that we did not do well, those things that did not go well. I have found that working with my clients Sometimes we need to be reminded of the things that we actually do well because we don't always acknowledge our successes. For some people, it seems to be just easier to focus on things that go wrong, but our journey is filled with both failures and successes. And it's important for us to be able to acknowledge both. So when we talk about mirror moments, it's not just about acknowledging the failures, it's not just about acknowledging Uh, the successes, it's about acknowledging both. It's celebrating the wins and learning from the losses. Here's a question that I want you to think about as we talk a little bit more about mirror moments. How do you know the difference between who you are and who you project to be? So think about this question. I'll provide my take on this before we move to tool 
number two. So let's get back to mirror moments. So mirror moments are opportunities for individuals to gain internal clarity because it helps you to identify your core values, that it recognizes your actions, your habits, your behaviors. And then it also looks or assesses the impact that those things have on your current situation and the impact that they will have on your future self. Essentially, it's about confronting the reality of your situation and behaviors without judgment, but that allows for an improved level of self-awareness. Through mirror moments, you can identify the why behind behaviors, which can then lead to conscious decisions to change or reinforce those behaviors. If certain beliefs or behaviors are found to be unhelpful or damaging, then we go through a process to replace those with ones that are conducive to what you want or who you want to be. We'll talk more about replacing damaging thoughts in the future episode I mentioned earlier, how to challenge hidden beliefs to become a better leader. I don't know if I have ever gone into this level of detail on mirror moments on the podcast, but he, I'm going to provide a general outline that will guide you through the process. There are a few things that I want to point out as we go through this process. I emphasize to my clients the importance of loving yourself. So in loving who you are in this moment, while acknowledging that you are in the process of growth and change. Having self-compassion during this practice is crucial because you are looking at both the things that you believe went well and those things that you believe did not. And there is this opportunity to be super critical and judgmental of ourselves, opening up that inner critic that begins to kind of beat us down. The, the purpose of this exercise is not to beat you down, but is to equip you with the tools and the information that you need to be able to move forward. So step number one in the outline is set aside some time for reflection. Allocate a quiet time and space where you can be undisturbed and focus on the task. This is critical for engaging in deep reflection without those external pressures or distractions. Yes, this means turn off the notifications on your computer and your phone. You may need to engage the people that are in your house your spouse, your kids, if they're old enough to have that conversation and say, hey, I'm going to need some space to be able to go through this process. But it's really important that you remove those distractions so that you can be honest with yourself. Step number two is just do some brainstorming. So begin by writing down everything that makes you, you. This includes your strengths, your achievements, areas where people rely on you, and also the parts of yourself that you might want to improve the parts of yourself that you're like, mm, I think I need to work on this. List it all out. Again, no judgment, but list it out. Then step three, what you want to do is an honest self-assessment. So you want to look at yourself objectively, assess your habits, your behaviors, and your traits, and acknowledge not only the positive aspects of yourself, but also those areas where you fall short. Step number four is identifying the impact. So you want to consider your habits and behaviors that impact your current life and how they may affect your future. This could involve examining the alignment between your actions and your core values and whether your current behaviors support your long-term goals. 
So after you've done this and we can, we go through a process where we say, think about all of who you are. All right, now let's move to the next stage. If you could only take uh, 10 of the 20 things that you've listed that make you, you, what would those 10 things be? And we continue this process until we get to the core of who you are, not who you project to be. So once you go through this process, you then are taught or encouraged to leverage that self-awareness. Now you have new self-awareness. Now you leverage that. You use the insights that are gained from that honest assessment to better understand the why behind your behaviors. And then you want to leverage that to enhance your future progress. And so based on those reflections, you consider what adjustments might be necessary to your goals or the path that you're using to achieve them. This might include replacing beliefs and habits that do not serve you well with those that will help propel you towards the success that you want. And number six is to create a plan. Create an actionable plan with steps that can help you to begin changing the behaviors and reinforcing those positive attributes. So you can consider seeking resources, support, professional guidance, like an executive coach, but you're looking for a community or some resources that can help reinforce what you want to create. So remember, the objective of mirror moments is not to criticize or judge yourself harshly, but to create a roadmap for continued growth and improvement. It's about being truthful with where you are and taking deliberate action with intention to become the best version of yourself. So here's the question that I asked a little bit earlier. How do you know the difference between who you are and who you project to be? Many of us have heard this saying before, but I think it really speaks to me when I think about this topic, and that is actions speak louder than words. So the actions that you take on a day-to-day basis really speak to who you are. There sometimes we have this projection that we are either far worse than what we are or far better than what we are. But when you begin to look at your actions and apply some of these tools that we've been talking about in terms of self-awareness, you will begin to see the impact of how you show up, the impact of your actions. And that is how you can see the difference between who you are and who you project to be. So now I want to look at tool number two that will help unlock the transformative power of self-awareness, and that's personality assessments. There are several assessments that are available to look at different aspects of your personality, your strengths, or in general, how you're wired. You have Gallup Strengths, formerly Strength Finders, you have Enneagram, Myers Briggs, you have Kobe, you have DISC, you have Via Strengths. They're all of these tools that are out here, assessments that you can use to provide some level of insight into who you are, how and how you operate. So the assessments that you actually take may depend on the particular area that you want to grow. So many of the issues that we face in business and life, from my perspective, stem from our ability to ineffectively communicate. We lack communication skills in general as a society. I mean, it doesn't mean everybody can't communicate, but a lot of the issues come because of miscommunication. That miscommunication brings misunderstanding. Uh, that misunderstanding then 
drives actions that are not conducive to what we want to create in life, what we want to create in business. So this is true for engineers and non-engineers alike. The DISC assessment provides great insight into communication styles, and I found it very valuable. In fact, I found it so valuable that I recently became a, a Maxwell DISC certified consultant. So before we talk about the Maxwell DISC, I'm going to talk about DISC in general, because some of you may not have heard of the DISC assessment. The DISC assessment is a popular behavioral assessment. It's the, the tool is commonly used both in personal and professional development. It's based on a theory developed by psychologist William Moulton Marston in the 1920s. And a summary of those key aspects of there are four distinct personality traits. And so it, the DISC stands for dominance, influence, studiness, and conscientiousness. These four traits represent the primary dimensions of human behavior and personality. So D for dominance. People with a high D are often seen as assertive and competitive and direct. They're goal-oriented and enjoy overcoming challenges. People with a high I, these traits typically are sociable people. They're talkative. They're lively. They're also persuasive and enjoy social interactions and are often seen as charismatic people. The S stands for steadiness. Those with a high S traits are generally calm, reliable, and patient. They value study and consistency and are excellent at supporting others. And I believe there's a statistic that says 73% of the population in North America would fall under that S category. When you look at the C's, C stands for conscientiousness. And high C individuals are often detail-oriented, analytical, methodical, and they value accuracy and are good at strategic planning and organization. And then many of the typical engineers that I know fall into that C category. The primary goal of DISC assessments is to help individuals understand their own behavior, learn how to adapt their style to different situations, and improve communication and interaction to others. One important thing to note about DISC is that it does not label a style as good or bad. So each style has its own strengths and challenges. The assessment focuses on understanding and leveraging these traits effectively. So in essence, the DISC assessment is a valuable tool for understanding human behavior, improving communication, and fostering better personal and professional relationships. And it serves as a foundation for many different tailored versions of the assessment, such as the Maxwell DISC assessment, which applies the DISC principles specifically to the leadership concept. So the Maxwell DISC assessment, we'll talk about that now. It was developed in conjunction with John C. Maxwell. It's a behavioral analysis tool that offers a few unique benefits. One, it's a leadership focus. This version really places a strong emphasis on leadership. It provides insights into how an individual's DISC profile influences their leadership style, decision-making, and ability to lead teams. There's also a huge emphasis on personal growth. Um, the assessment is not just designed to 
categorize the personality types, but to foster personal growth. And so it offers actionable advice and strategies for individuals to develop their strengths and to address areas for improvement, particularly in their leadership roles. And a lot of that has to do with the ability to effectively communicate and lead people. The assessment provides personalized action plans, helping individuals to leverage their unique strengths in their personal and professional lives. And so this aspect is particularly useful for those that are seeking to enhance their ability to lead or enhance their team dynamics. One of the cool things about the assessment is that you can do a team report. And when you do a team report, you're able to identify the different personality or communication types in the team. And it provides you with some actionable suggestions, tips, and do's and don'ts to help you better communicate with your team members. There's also a tool called the Power Disk that assesses your strengths. And it looks at it in these few different areas, influencing, directing, processing, detailing, persisting, creating, and relating. So the question that you may have, or the question that I had or had to think about was how does the Maxwell Disk Assessment help you win at work and at home? It provides three graphs for better understanding and clarity of who you are, your public self, which is called the mask, your private self, which is called the core. That's how you respond under pressure or stress and the perceived self, the mirror. How do you see yourself? It really offers you a well-rounded perspective. The report is going to confirm many things that you already know. But there are going to be some things that the, the word choices that the report uses that you're not going to agree with. You're going to be like, well, I don't behave that way under pressure. I wouldn't define my way that way. But listen, when you take the assessment, it's okay if you have that response and reaction. But here's the thing. Overall, the report does a really good job of assessing your communication style and putting you on the path and equipping you with the tools that you need to be able to effectively communicate and lead others that are in your world. So whether you're a business owner, whether you are leading a team, whether you're home and you're thinking about how do I best communicate with my family? How can I better communicate with my spouse? How can I better communicate with my children? When you begin to understand the do's and don'ts to the different types of communication styles, it will help improve your ability to effectively communicate greatly and if you improve in your ability to effectively communicate, then you're going to improve in your ability to win at work and at home. There is a link in the show notes that you can use if you want to take the DISC assessment. The last tool that I want to explore to me is one of the most crucial and often overlooked. We know that we have to lead ourselves first. And one difference between so so leaders and great leaders is this one thing to me. I mean, there may be other differences, but this is one thing that I've seen just in terms of in my own life and in the observation of others is that great leaders know how to practice self-compassion. We talked about the power of mirror moments for gaining clarity and then the communication impact of using the DISC assessment. But when we look to address the other sides of leadership, maybe the more emotional side of leadership, here's the thing. 
in our pursuit of excellence, we push ourselves and we set high standards. And yes, we do fall short at times. And I am here to let you know that's okay. It's okay if you fall short. It is expected. And we're human. And yes, engineers are people too. Bankers are people too. Insurance brokers are people too. We are all people. So we are all human. Now, some of the people that are high achievers are going to say, what do you mean? It's expected for us to fall short. This is not acceptable. I am not saying that you plan to fail. I am not saying that you plan to fall short. No, you plan to succeed. And then you take the actions that you believe that's going to help you to succeed. The issue becomes in how we treat ourselves if we fall short. How do you respond? How do you respond when you fall short? And is that response healthy? Or is the response helpful? So this is where self-compassion, our third tool comes into play, softening that inner critic that can often lead to self-doubt. Self-reflection isn't solely about recognizing where we need to improve or even what we did well. It's also about recognizing our journey and the efforts that we put in and treating ourselves with the same kindness we would offer a trusted friend. In my conversations about leadership, I've always maintained that having a positive and forgiving mindset, it isn't just good for the soul. I think it's good for our ability to grow, our ability to adapt our ability to remain curious, our ability to fail and our ability to respond to that failure. So how do we practice self-compassion? So let's break it down. Let's break it down. Step number one is mindfulness. You want to recognize that that critical voice in your head is just that, a voice. It is not all of who you are. And I want you to acknowledge your feelings, not to over-identify them. This is not to push them under the rug. But I want you to acknowledge your feelings. You have to acknowledge them. It is hard to do something with a thing that you don't acknowledge. You have to be able to take ownership. This is how I am feeling in this moment. That doesn't mean that you have to stay there, but you have to take ownership of it. Step two is understanding that making mistakes, feeling inadequate, suffering from imposter syndrome, this is universal in terms of a human experience. And you're not alone in your struggles. It's not unique to you. You have a whole bunch of us who have struggled or and do struggle with that same thing. So acknowledging that. And step three is the application of self-kindness. I want you to actively replace self-criticism with a more nurturing voice. Speak to yourself as you would to someone you deeply care for when they're facing challenges. So when you step into your world, into the world after today's episode, I urge you to apply the practice of self-compassion. I want you to be as patient and forgiving with yourself as you would with your most cherished friend or loved one and tend to your inner spirit with kindness and watch how it transforms your ability to lead with empathy and authenticity. We're coming to the end of the episode and normally in the podcast with many people know what to do, fewer people know how to do it. And there's a select group of people that actually follow through and do it. But I was recently asked by one of my clients is that what really separates those select few? What is it 
that those select few are doing that's so extraordinary? You know, what is the thing? So when I think about what is it that drives the select few to do great things, here's the deal. I want you to listen in. Being part of that select few does not require extraordinary talent. It does not require any type of secret. It does require action, commitment, and the courage to look within and say that I am the architect of my life's success. The time to start writing that success story isn't next week. It isn't tomorrow. It isn't an hour from now. It's right now. It's at this very moment. So make the decision right now to be part of that select few. Make the decision to take control of your life. Make the decision to be the architect of your present and your future. So take these tools that we talk about on the podcast and be relentless, be reflective, and be self-compassionate. Be the leader that you're destined to be. And then put in the work that that leader has to put in. Put in the work. Put in the work. All right, I want to thank you for sharing this time with me. I am your host and guide to winning at work and at home, Dr. James Bryant. Listen, keep pushing, keep striving, and let's engineer our success together. And I want you to make it a great week and have an even greater month. I want you to make it a great day and have even a greater week ahead. Many people know what to do. Fewer people know how to do it. And there's a select group of people that follow through, do it, and they are living the life of their dreams. Take action, take ownership, and become part of that select few. Thank you for listening to Engineer Your Success with Dr. James Bryant. Do me a favor and subscribe to the podcast. Leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast player. Many people know what to do. Fewer people know how to do it, and a small fraction of people actually do it. I believe that you can have success both in business and in life, and it's my passion to guide you on your path to engineering your success. Thanks.